Gaming NBS episode 167 coming to you Wednesday, December, November 29th, 2017. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to those who have been here before. Sean, how are you, man? Man, it has been a four-day weekend. Well, well needed four-day weekend. Well, for our U.S. Uh, US of A uh, listeners, happy Thanksgiving or happy post-Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope you all had a good one. Had some good times. I believe our Canadian listeners refer to this as second Thanksgiving, where they, where they, where they cross the border to come down to um, fill them, fill their bellies yet again with more amazing food. So anyway, cool. You had a good Thanksgiving though, Sean? Did you? I cannot yeah. complain. I I am thankful for everything. I am thankful. I'm thankful for you, Brett. Oh, thanks, man. And I, you. Oh, if we weren't, I, don't if we weren't a, I don't have an awe sound. I don't have an awe sound bite. Oh, that's on the to-do list. That's on the to-do list. If we didn't live an hour and a half drive apart, I'd kiss you right now. That's how much oh. I miss So um, let's see announcements. The Being that we're thankful, what are we going to do, Sean? We want to move the show. Sean wants to change the show drop time because as thankful we are for our jobs, we like to keep them because they help us pay for things like game books. Um. We're going to move it. Uh, we have been dropping consistently Tuesdays at noon. <clears throat> However, periodically, we'll get in a bind where one of us has to uh, be out of town, travel, something or other. And then we've had to record, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes uh, Monday night, which is on Brett's side. Not a big fucking deal. What, a, what does Brett care? Brett doesn't do any of the posting or anything like that. And even though 90% of the time, Sean doesn't have to edit. He still does his best to make sure that we've got the best sound quality we can. <coughs> Excuse me. There I go, wrecking the sound quality. Anyway, last episode 166, when we had Mr. Hobbs on the show, we had a nasty little snafu around the sound. And one of the things that um, we'd like to do to make sure that we can avoid such things in the future is we're going to move it out and give Sean an extra bit of time to mess with the sound when needed. So, Sean, are we starting that this show? Is this one going to drop on the Wednesday instead of the Tuesday? Is that the deal? See. Okay. So instead of it being the 28th, it will indeed be the 29th. And um, we'll put this out in the usual channels. And by the time you get this, download it and say, the fuck, where's my show on Tuesday? Hopefully you will have already heard this. This will be old news. But anyway, we're going to move you, it. If you are a patron of the show, you will still get it as early as possible, which is when we are done recording it. So And, and doesn't sound like complete crap and edited incorrectly which is what occurred last show. Oops. So, yeah. Oopsie. Yeah, that was uh that was a Sean error. What so not that this I mean, it's kind of water under the bridge at this point, but we were getting a lot of drift and drift occurs when we start talking over each other, so we will hear each other delayed. Uh how's it? We hear each other and then when it records, it records it at a different time. And so what happens is when you're done, you'll get, you'll, you'll hear this in some podcasts every once in a while, if they don't catch it is where they might laugh at something that's not funny. And then two seconds later, it's funny because one person's hearing it, but they're reacting to it earlier. 
It's like watching old school kung fu movies with Jackie Chan, wherever where the lip sync is just gone, and you're like, uh, the body language doesn't match. But when right. we're recording it, it totally sounds fine. Right. And Sean uh, Hobbs and I were doing our best to make sure we didn't step on each other anymore than we had to during the recording and so on. But as it turned out, we had some drift, and uh, we ended up with a garbled mess. But Sean fixed it. I, I tried to, so I tried to edit it, and then in doing so, I I think I started. And then I had to leave to go to work or something. And then I came home and started it again. Well, I didn't pick up the same spot. So what happened was the tracks that I had sliced and moved, I inadvertently moved them over each other at the, about the 20 minute mark. So, so Sean, as usual, made things worse by monkeying with yeah. it. <laughs> well, it could have been better in some people's eyes. It I could guess. Have. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> However, I got I to gotta say one of the nicest things about a mistake like this is our listeners. And by that, I mean, you men and women who listen to us heard the problem, and we had very nice, very friendly text saying, hey, guys, I don't know if we're the first ones to tell you this, but, hey, this is a problem about this time. People were telling, sending us messages that said, hey, at this exact time, I'm using this podcatcher and this player and so on just to see if it was an issue on their side. Was it iTunes? Was it Podbean? Was it this, that, or the other thing? So thank you to all of our listeners out there, one, for being very forgiving and very kind, and two, for being technically actually pretty damn savvy and helping us out because I started listening to it. I'm like, I don't hear a problem. And then, bam, it hit me. I'm like, oh, fuck, there it is. So a lot, like I said, a lot of people all jumped in and uh, did their best to pinpoint the problem and also to do some nice troubleshooting for us and tell us, hey, I'm using this, that, and the other format and platform. Does Is this the problem or is it everybody? So thank you. That was very nice of you. Yes. So thank you. So Yes. That's that. That's that. And the last announcement, we're going to keep hammering on this until I have my Evercon in January 5, 6, and 7. But January 5, 6, and 7, start the gaming year outright. Get your ass to Evercon. Evercon.org will be in uh, the lovely Wausau, Wisconsin, center of the state. Um, we've got Alex Gamer coming. We've got a host of my gamer buddies are going to be there trying to drag Sean up there. If we can pull him away from work and other obligations, I'm trying to see if I can get um, Forrest Gary and perhaps a few others to make it up. I know Corey Wynn is going to be there running some games. My buddy uh, Chad Knight, friend of the show, um, and also one of my gamers, has got a Call of Cthulhu tournament he's going to be doing. We've got some Badger State Games hosted events, so you can actually medal. Um, I shit you not, you can medal in chess. We're going to have a chess tournament, uh, Magic Gathering tournament, some other really cool stuff coming. So, Evercon.org. Um, as anybody who has run a convention knows, and Alex and I have convinced about this more than once, um, the ca- a con is as good as... The events you can get, right? You want to get the best events you can. We do our best to work with our local vendors and everybody else to show up and provide some great stuff. Well, we always have um, some slow pokes. Some of our local folks are like, yeah, I'll get you that date. Oh, yeah, I've got a tournament I want to run. And we're like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> so check out our events listing again at evercon.org. And our events list continues to grow. If you want to know more about it, feel free to send us an email here or uh, evercon.org. Uh, you can uh, email us there and I'll get you on the mailing list and get you updated on everything and everything that is going on. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Evercon out there too. So anyway, there we be. Sean, yeah. any announcements on your side? Um, no. Well then let's move on. Random encounter, brother. All right. Random encounter. Great. Who wants to start? You can start. I just talked a whole bunch. All right. 
Jerasher comments on episode 166 on the Google Plus. Hobbs adjacent combat is story. When I thought about this, I immediately thought of the Shadow of the Demon Lord game that some guy named Hobbs was a part of. Yeah, I just I stopped right there. What's hilarious to me, Jared, when I first read this, I went, Hobbs was on the fucking show and he never mentioned this story. This story never came up on the show. So I think this is what? hilarious. He mentioned, did he, he mention Shadow of the he Demon Lord? He did not, not, to my knowledge and my re listing, I did not catch a Shadow of the Demon Lord story. So thank you, Jared, for sharing one of Hobbs' best stories with us because Hobbs yeah, was too fucking yeah. selfish to share it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what a freaking guess that guy. What, what a guy. Carry on. Um, Yeah. Okay. In one fight scene, which a certain paladin missed out on, there was a huge bonfire in the middle of a church. Uh, Mother Bastion, the adventuring company's patron up to that point, had decided to burn the unbelievers in the group so they didn't continue to corrupt Cain. Abby, the witch who was pretty much the moral center of the group, shoved Mother Bastion into the fire. Because Mother Bastion and her Inquisitors were already trying to kill the group, I wouldn't have given Abby any corruption for this. I'm sure this is all Shadow of the Demon Lord-like. Yep, they, they have corruption mechanics and so forth in there, so this this is jiving. However, the way Steve, Abby's player, described the horror, Abby felt when she shoved another human being into a bonfire to be roasted alive, he volunteered to take a point of corruption for Abby because it made sense for how he had played the character and what had just happened. Oh, kudos Con to Steve. That's good. The combat communicated how desperate Abby was to get the fight over and how out of her comfort zone she was. Another fight in that same campaign involved the entire group finding fighting a lich in a crypt in the underworld. Uh, Vigdis, the Jotun, Jotun ranger of the group, essentially kept taking the brunt of all of the lich's worst spells. They were doing horrific things like teleporting him partially into walls and disintegrating parts of his body and causing his heart to stop. Well, that's good stuff. <laughs> Abby kept bringing him back from near death, and the way the conversation of the fight went, Vigdis wasn't just losing hit points and getting them back. Vigdis was at the point of just wanting to die but was unwilling to let down Abby, and Abby was in tears when she had to bring Vigdis back to take more punishment to buy the rest of the party time to defeat the Lich. That, Mr. Asher, is an awesome story. Yeah. <clears throat> I like that. Kudos to those players for bringing that out there. And this is right where, where we set the show, and I think I brought it up. Give myself a pat on the back. But players, man, Abby's player, Steve, and Vigdis' uh, player, they did that. Rasher's saying, hey, you didn't have to get any corruption for that. That's eh, totally fine. No, says Steve. I want it, and here's why. And you can ride that character like you stole it. You can totally do this stuff. You can give you can give really good reasons to the game master rest of the players as to why this your, your character feels bad. You don't have to say I, I, I. You can say, you know, Abby feels, and oh, my God, she's just about in tears, and Vigdis is just drags himself up off the ground one more time. Smiles, Richter's grin at Abby, picks up his sword and goes right back at the lich. You know, you have these, oh my God, he's doing it again moments. And all driven, all driven by the players themselves. Grabbing onto that and just really pushing it. So kudos to those players, Jared. And Jared, again, obviously kudos to you as a game master for providing an environment for them to do that stuff with and rewarding it by letting it happen. 
letting that type of story happen through that fight. That is, that is some really good shit, man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Onward to gaming Ronin on Google plus. This is talking about ending a campaign on a cliffhanger. I can see one instance. This could be fun. End with the players entering the last chamber or whatever to face off against some big bad and end it. Then in your next game, set years later, the players hear the tale of the lost expedition who vanished. The threat is back and a brand new heroes take up the cause. Now you have a ton of options to bring in the older group of players as NPCs. Maybe the old group ran or waiting to return, or maybe their loners now disgraced but have inf- information the new group could use. Maybe they hope to redeem themselves. Maybe their spirits wander the dungeon or keep guiding the heroes or giving omens. The old group could be uh, all turned into monsters now, or the players find their corpses, then they finally enter the chamber themselves. This could be a way to use material from games that ended up unplanned as well. Game A, if falls through, make it lore for game B. You know, Gaming Ronin, I gotta say, man, they um, that last bit, a way to use material from games that ended unplanned as well. Game A fails, or excuse me, falls through, make it lore for game B. So, Sean, I think back to the... Uh, that kind of hex crawly type game you started doing with um, Kev and I and Jim, <coughs> excuse me, in Austin. We did a little little D and D action with you there for some five E stuff. Then we kind of killed that campaign and moved on to something else. Taking everything that happened there and turning it into the backstory for the next game. I used to do that constantly with my vampire campaign. So vampire campaign would end, and then the new one, wherever it took place many of the things that the other players had done, even if I had different players at the table, the other group, um, a lot of what they did helped build the lore that became the whole world itself. So I think that's a really, really cool thing, and I'm glad you called that out. Yeah. Do you do that, Sean? Do you, have you ever done that, where you've taken like one campaign, the lore and everything out of it, and then moved it on to the next one, for even for the same group of players? Uh, lore, not so much. Uh, but I could see that it... That would be pretty good, pretty cool. Not out of the question. Because if you take our Star Wars game we did, you ended us kind of on the cliffhanger and then have a whole have a bunch of us coming in later and we get tied directly into it somehow. Or that, that piece and parts, it's it could all easily be there. That's good stuff. I like it. Yes. Over to you, sir. Sky Slayton, if that is truly his name. It better be. This is poses a, a it's poses a, a question. A lot better name than mine. G- I gotta I gotta hope he's got that name because it's a lot right. better than mine. That would be my show name, my actor name. Uh, to bookend my last question for y'all, how do you like to start a campaign? Session zero. Do you set any guidelines? What about backstories? How long if you do allow them? Answering my own questions, I did a session zero for my last campaign, and I liked how it worked out. I did outline their recent backstory. Uh, They had spent the last two years working a delivery route from one city to the next. That is where they went from level zero to one. We also rolled fiasco-style bonds, and that ended up giving the players some great foundations for roleplay. As for backstories, I asked the players to leave as many undefined parts as possible. Example, instead of I killed Franco, the son of Senator Hamilton, in a duel, something like, the son of a powerful governmental uh, government official, and I had a rivalry that ended badly. Uh, the second thing I ask for their backstory is that they give me a PowerPoint of four pages with bullet point info on it. Page one, family and friends. 
page two, associates slash contacts, page three, enemies and adversaries, and then page four, possible hooks. What about y'all? I like the fact that he assigns homework to his players. I think that's good. It makes it put it, it makes them put it in PowerPoint. I want slide deck. I want animation. You know where it pops up. You have to keep clicking through it where it's not. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> death, death by PowerPoint. Yeah, I live. Unfortunately, with my day job, I live a lot of my life in PowerPoint, which is like the shittiest format to communicate to executives in. However, this this my friend may be one of the better uses of PowerPoint that I've ever heard of. See, we've talked about the bullet points before on the show, Sky, and I will say that um, the session zero has become a mainstay for me. That's something that I really like to really like to do. Um, just get together, make characters together, talk about different things, think about where we want to set the game, what kind of story it'll be, anything. Even if I, I mean, I know my group incredibly well, and I, I know what boundaries are kind of in, kind of out. When Kevin's there, I know what not. To, I know, hey, Kevin's going to be there. These type of things Kevin doesn't like. Hey, Zave's there again. He doesn't like X. JR's there. JR doesn't give a fuck. I can do whatever I want. This person's there. Don't do that. That's all good. However, the other thing that comes up in the session zero sometime isn't even just the, the, um, the hey, the X cardable type of stuff, but the please God, no more of X. I'm bored with that. Even the board factor damn near becomes an X cardable thing where people are like, look, if I get one more. Nobleman betrayal story. I'm going to fucking murder you, Brett. Okay, great. I won't do that. Um, or please God, no more dead babies because they're sick of that shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that, that type of thing can come in really handy. I think um, the backstory piece, I usually, I have started asking my characters. I think I've mentioned this before on the show as well, but the bullet boy concept is like, look, give me something about you. Bam, bam, bam. Really, really quick. I haven't done it in this formal of an approach saying, Hey, give me, you know, four bullet point pages or something like that. But that's not a bad idea. Dude, players are never going to do that, man. But if his, if his players are doing it, maybe he's bottled some lightning and we need to get in on it. That's what I'm saying. That that may very well be the case. Maybe he's got a really sexy I- PowerPoint presentation you just can't help but fill out. Huh? Hey, maybe he's got a kick-ass template. Yeah, it must be the case, man. I don't know what to say. Maybe Maybe he's just got... Great players. Yeah, or he's got an incredible amount of moxie as a game master. Could be. Yeah, maybe he's just Mr. Persuasion. <laughs> or he could be pulling a Brett, takes a loaded 45, puts it on the table. So oh, here's, yeah. a, uh, here's a PowerPoint slide, assholes. <laughs> Fill the fucker out. The strong arm. Yeah. Could be a strong arm technique. So, Sean, just do it. <laughs> exactly. <Right? I> can- <laughs> exactly. You have no choice. Um. So, Sean, question for you. Do you... There's a session zero. We've talked about session zero. Do you use that as a mainstay or is that something that you dabble in? Mainstay as far as getting backgrounds? Yeah, just as kind of like, hey, build characters together, do all the session zero we shit. Yeah, I would like to do it all together. Uh, I think it just helps out cover bases and tie people together. I think I had you guys do it for Star Wars, mm-hmm. but it has, ob- has the obligation piece in yeah. Edge of the Empire. But I think, you know, some of you guys went into some good details. Some of it I got incorporated into the adventure. Some maybe not so much. You know what actually struck me right now is I know you're simmering the, the West Marches game. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Thing, yeah, man. but I mean, you're going to do it. That's that's not the point. Because if nothing else, I don't know, man. if nothing else, no. I'm not going to let you rest until you do it. It's going to oh. it's going to get brought up repeatedly. And yeah. it would be. Got, 
If nothing else, we got to figure out a way we could either tag team Game Master on it or something where we tap in, tap in and out. Well, that's it's really been killing me, man. That's like a whole nother topic. I mean, it's just I've had Eric, I've had Eric Farmer draft up an actual like intro player guide, like guidelines. See, he's yeah, he got ambitious and he whipped up a couple page. Like, hey, this is what you can put out there, and then you've got it to a point uh, now with all these friends of ours where you could simply show up and say, "Hey, I'm running a game." Well, you, there's you, so you, many. You and you are in. So I am. If if you've never done Strengths Finder, one of the things that I am as far as the strength uh, weakness, kind of like <laughs> huh? Strength Finder, also known as where is your weak spot? Right. Sometimes. <laughs> um. So it's kind of like the disc or the Briggs and whatever that hokey bullshit is. Um, I've been in TWJPQ, whatever yeah. those are. Yeah. Strengths finder is pretty cool. Cause it, it takes your strengths supposedly. I don't know how psychologically or industry wise it is, but anyways, one of the things is I'm analytical. So my fear is that I'm just analysis paralysis. So I'm going into this going, well, what happens when, Somebody joins the part. We're getting off the topic, but what happens when they go off on their own and we don't finish that piece? All right. We need a topic. We have intervention oh, from Sean. Just, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Sean's intervention for what? And Hobbs, Hobbs, was, Hobbs and I discussed this over the weekend, too, and he was like, just run a drop-in, drop-out campaign. And then I thought, well, why don't I just get all these GMs together that want to help GM this thing? And instead of doing like creating a separate GM kind of spiel that it's just one GM. Well, we all act as one GM. All right. We'll have to. Oh, yes. <laughs> <sighs> See, I just, I'm not, I don't have like five days a week where I can just be like, yeah, I'm available any day of the week. Well, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be know. that complicated. You could say, look, here's three days a month I can game. Who's in? It could be that simple. Well, I mean, the parameters are yours see, to build. See, yeah, I'm, I'm getting too hung up on shit, aren't You're I? You're absolutely getting too hung up I on am. shit. I am. You need a project manager. Hang on a second. We'll set up, we'll set up, <laughs> a, we'll set up a meeting. I'll get this hey, fucker built. You know out. anybody? Speak, speak, hey, get that project charter going. Speaking of PowerPoints, all right, I'll get you something. <laughs> All right, I already got a show notes intervention for Sean. All right, moving on. Oh, good Lord. Thomas Hook wrote us an email and said, Hey, BSers, really enjoying your podcast. I get a lot of usable content and great ideas for the gaming, which is awesome, Thomas. Thank you so much. He continues and says, I listen a lot while I mow in the summer months, which is about eight hours a week. In the winter months, I listen to it in the car. My wife, who's not a gamer, will listen along in the car just because of the great humor and good times you have while you're doing the podcast. And that's saying something. <laughs> that's actually very flattering <clears throat> so not to say my wife is anti-gamer she was a good sport and gave it a try when we started dating which is a long long time ago and what seemed like a galaxy far far away we just had our 23rd anniversary holy crap holy Congrats, shit dude. Wow. but for her the thought of gaming rates right up there with using a dental drill on herself just for the fun of it i really enjoy the <laughs> west i really enjoyed the west marches episode sean um the idea is really appealing but I live way out in the sticks, and online gaming isn't much of an option for me. Where I live, when people talk about internet, it could be a story about how their wife or sister caught a fish. Yep, it was right there on the internet. 
Oh my God! Yeah. In, internet. internet. Oh, no, there's no T in internet. Internet. Oh my God! That's a fishing joke right there. Well done, sir. Ah, finding any players can be a challenge, so I really feel lucky to get any kind of constant group together. Having too many players has never really been an issue. As for episode 164, I must agree that playing at a con can really up your playing skills. I've never run any games at a con, but have played in several. We have two local cons. Well, I say local. I drive an hour to get to them. But I loved grabbing any pre-gen and just about any game and taking off. I never run any sessions at a con simply because I GM a lot and use this as recharge time. Anyway, I just wanted to drop a note and tell you guys how much I really enjoy your show and all the effort you put into it for us listeners. Keep up the good work. I hope to have you. Hope you guys have a great holiday. Well, thank you, sir. Very nice. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Yeah, you know, um, my wife is not wholly dissimilar from Thomas's. I think that she would um, rank up the gaming thing to that as well. Um, my wife will play. Susan's game before with me. She's played Vampire. She's played D and D a couple different times. I don't think she played Call of Cthulhu. No, Vampire and D and D though. For sure. Hey, which is always fun. just like the just like the military, just like um, I don't know sushi. It's not for everybody. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's an it's an incredibly kick ass hobby, and obviously Sean and I love it. But um, last thing I would do is say you have to do this, and you suck if you don't. Hey, if it's not for you, it's not for you, man. Just bail. That's fine. Yeah, that's right. Very cool, Thomas. Thank you very much for listening and for writing in. That's really good. All right, man. Shall we do it? Yes, let's do it. Okay, Brett. What are we talking about this week? Well, we've talked about this a bit in the past, about character backgrounds and such. And I want to talk about player character families. And not necessarily just families, but loved ones, close people. Those DNPCs for old school guys are as dependent non-player characters, and um, just that type of that type of connection that we can have. Because quite frankly, very few things piss me off than the group of adventurers that are orphan parents all slain by orcs, right? <laughs> or what, whatever your your cliche is. Um, yeah, that gets old, and I think there's a really good reason, and they can be a lot of fun. To have some parents, loved ones, family, people connected to your player character that you can deal with and that the game master can mess with and all that good stuff. So, so Sean, before I before I regale you with tales of me terrifying my players by murdering their loved ones in front of them slowly, um, characters, loved ones, is there is this a thing that you deal with much or at all? I mean, in your groups, do you have? Hey, I've got a dad, I've got a mom, or siblings, wife, kids, anything like that. Your characters, or even your players. Yes, I'd like you to elaborate further, please. I'm in the middle of a drink here. <laughs> I uh, I have created characters with sons, daughters. Uh, I had my one of my last characters in the Docs campaign, um, the wizard, the old wizard is or the 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 uh, tactician was a widower okay but he had two i think he had two or three sons and a daughter now let me ask and, oh sorry keep going yeah no, go ahead i was Brad. gonna say my follow-up question is did it matter um doc 
wrote it into one particular encounter, but it but it didn't really go anywhere. Okay. So there was there was kind of like a I think a couple guys were missing, uh, a couple players were missing that night. And I, he took me off on a side quest with like one other person. Something was tied into it. And I made note of it. And then we played a few more times back kind of on the main storyline. And that piece became less relevant. Okay. But it's still kind of there. So, I mean, he could whip that out. You know, he could whip it out the next time we start playing again in that camp. Fair enough. I don't think it necessarily has to be. The reason I asked that question is, of course, because if you have it and you've, ex- as a, <laughs> depending on the game system you have, if it's GURPS, if it's the old White Wolf system, merits flaws, and there's lots of dependent NPCs. This was a classic one from Champions and stuff with hero, hero, uh, superhero type games. We have Aunt May, if you're a Spider Man fan. You get those extra character build points for getting them. <coughs> Excuse me. You view them as handy resources or context, and we can milk for data whenever you need it. Uh, someone close personal to you who you're confident won't lie to you because it's your mom, your wife, your kids or whatever. However, if there's no relevancy in the, in the story in the game you're playing, then it's a waste, quite frankly. Um, then it's, is almost as good as not having it. And there's multiple different ways it can have relevancy. I really like what you said. There is even doc pulled it out as kind of a, a gap filler, right? Which was solid, I think. And, it's still out there. It's a thing that happened. Doc has that. I've met Doc. He's a sharp dude. And if he said, hey, you know what? I could really turn that into the next kick for the new campaign to get going. I could use that in there as a thing to get Sean's character engaged. Or I could kidnap a kid or do something to the family to really make it make it important again. I think a lot of times I've seen... I had this problem a while back with a game I ran. Um Murder City, and I, th- I talked about this uh, Christ a year or so ago when I after I ran it, but Kevin had given me some really great character background stuff, and I fucking muffed it. I mean, he gave me some great stuff, and it didn't matter. None of it came up, and everything that Kevin writes down means, hey, I'd like to I'd like to encounter this because this would be fun for me in some way. I'd like to deal with this problem, and with player characters and families, loved ones, whatever, in order for them to matter, the game master has to help. As a player, Sean or I could say, hey, all day long, you know, I wonder what my wife thinks about this. Hey, I want to stop in and talk to the kids or I want to go talk to my Aunt May because she's always taking care of me. But if the game master never does anything with that, you know, then it's almost as if it doesn't really exist. So it has to matter in some way. Um, one of the <laughs> Sean, have you ever had the the game? I guess before I go too much farther with this, do you agree or disagree with anything I've said there? Does that make sense to you? Am I on? It does. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, that's my fear of getting, you either get players that buy in and they go, they're good. And then the GM comes up short. So you have the players come up with good backgrounds and then they never get implemented. But see, this is, this is kind of the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know too many adventures, scenarios, campaigns where uh, family matters. I don't know. Yeah, the family always seems to take a back seat. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's time to go adventuring. I uh, see you. See you later. It's like, it's like the hobbits, man. 
Sam's not talking. I mean, he may talk about Rosie back home, but they're done, man. They're they're off. Yeah, until he gets back, you know, and just I hope she's still there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I think the um. So that's a very good point. If um, now to flip that for a second, if the game master isn't making enough of a thing of it, now in my, I'll give Kevin some more credit here in my Streets of Avalon, uh, game that I did for the actual play under with misdirected Mark and those guys on the Wednesday, Wednesday evening podcast group. There's a point in there where Kevin, I murdered Kevin's love. I shoot her in the head. Spoilers. So something horrible happens. What? This person dies. I probably shouldn't have, I probably should have said spoilers first. That was really stupid of me. So I apologize oh to anybody who hasn't listened God. to it. Anyway, at a, there's a point though, where Kevin comes to me offline and says, Hey, I want to have more happen with the family. I want more of X. So as a, as a game master, I'll tell you right now, if your player comes to you and says, hey, I'd like some more family interaction, please, you fucking bring up more family interaction. If they're asking for it, if they verbally tell you that, it's incumbent on you to help them make that happen. So the other piece that, to go with that, apart from just me making sure that the gamers, game master share that straight, the player asks you, do what your best to help them. But players, <clears throat> don't be afraid to ask for that of your game master. If I were to look at Sean and say, Sean, in the last three sessions, I've been bringing up the fact that I'm trying to save money to get my dad out of prison. Do I have enough money to get my dad out of prison yet? We never disclosed a dollar amount, but I have a lot of money saved up. I have enough space credits out of whatever. Can I get him out of space jail? And uh, <laughs> which is one of our favorite things to do in Sean's <laughs> Star Wars games. Get on space Google. We just add space in front of whatever the modern thing is. But anyway, I need enough space bucks to get him out of space jail. Do I have enough to do that? Right. By hammering that back to Sean, I, as the player, I'm telling Sean, hey, asshole, I really care about my dad, and I want to have part of this Part of this have to do with this. this um, the campaign at least has to hearken to it. And I think what Doc did for you was solid because he took a piece of it and had it be a sidebar. It doesn't have to take place of the whole campaign, but it was in there and something for you to, to be a part of, grasp onto, and say, hey, part of Sean's character's background totally mattered in this game which is really cool and you don't have to solve every problem but if you listen to streets of avalon piece you learn you know what kevin did with the you know emotional gut punch that came after the fact when he dealt with the family so it was really really cool but that started because kevin asked me hey i want more social interaction with this group and i think the um (laughs) the uh one of the fears that a lot of players have is uh, kind of, well, one, it doesn't fucking matter anyway. Who cares? So Sam is in love with Rose, whatever. doesn't matter. Hey, his, his gaffer's back there. We'll deal with it when we scourge the Shire. It'll be fine. Spoilers, they scourge the Shire. Um, <laughs> anyway, the um, the other point is that a lot of times people like the goddamn Game Master is just going to put them in peril. And I really don't want to have to constantly deal with digging my family or wife or kids out of whatever death trap that Brett has put them in, which uh, was right close to dead babies in my old vampire game. If you had dependent characters in some way, Brett was going to put them in a horrible, horrible situation that you had to deal with. That was just, that was it was kind of like an unwritten rule. If you had money and fame and, and stuff like that, Brett would take it away from you. If you had family, Brett was going to try to murder them in front of you in some horrible way. Um, I've learned since then. I only do that every once in a while now. But uh, 
and otherwise it's kind of that whole ignored uh, that ignored factor which is just flat annoying so sean when you're when you're game mastering and i have dependent player character i've got a wife a kids or a husband or whatever and my character's like hey look you know my boyfriend lives downtown i'm a private investigator on this great cthulhu mythos thing i'm working on this thing do you in your Game Master's brain go, ah, yes, I can torture Brett's. I can torture this person. Is that a thing you think oh, of man. or no? <laughs> uh, maybe. maybe. Most of the time, no. See, Sean, we got to fix that. The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. yes. It's how far, it it's how far can I take it? Yes. Right. I concur. I have let, I, I'll have to turn over my GM card. <laughs> Honestly, I, I got to say, though, that I've I've had game masters ask me this before. Friends of mine, mostly. I don't have random people ask me this because I'm not that fucking smart. But I've had my friends ask me, hey, how do you, you know, I got this, da, da, da. I'm like, do they have any dependent NPCs? Do they have any family? Well, yeah, fucking murder them. What? Or threaten them. Do something. Get them engaged. I said, have a problem. Well, things I did to my buddy Lenny was he... <laughs> In my, my original Avalon game with my home group, his character had a family. He had a mother, a grandfather, and a younger brother and sister. They never, I promised myself, I'm like, no matter what happens, fight the urge to threaten them. Fight the urge to threaten them. Do not kill them. Do not murder any of them. Well, what happened, though, <clears throat> excuse me, his character, Newt, would show up. Newt Marigold would show up. And Grandpa would look at him say, pit fighting again? No, Grandpa. Why? Got a shiner. No, no. All right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Sure, kid. Yeah, whatever. So there was this weird family tension because Newt was being naughty. He was doing, he was pit fighting. He shouldn't be doing that. He's part of the Griffins. He's part of the city guard. Mom needed money for something. His sister was in this. His character found a girlfriend. He wanted to date her, bring her home to meet the family. I didn't, I did my best for the longest time not to threaten any of them. Well, what happened though is that his actions caused him to be away from home. So when he would show up, his mother would like cling to him. Like, Oh my God, Newt, where have you been? Oh my God. She'd like bawling on him. Oh, the baby's sick. And oh my, if only we had a couple silver, I know it's tough, but any money you have, I mean, you could really use some. Oh no, 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 no. Don't give me quite so much. So there was always this kind of heartstring yanking back and forth. There was no combat. I honest to God did not threaten them with any of the bad guys. I had no clue really that he had a family, his girlfriend. I did, torture the hell out of that relationship at one point but the mother the brother the sister the grandfather that was a source of knowledge and help and stability for him when he needed to get the fuck away from everything else that was going on he could go back home he would get grilled grandpa would admonish him in front of mom as soon as mom went to put the little kids to bed they'd sit down by the fire have a beer and they'd talk about things. And Grandpa would tell him about his time with the White Griffins, the secret police force. He'd tell him about this. He'd give him some pointers. And as soon as Mom would come back in, Grandpa shut up. All right? So there was that type of thing happen, can happen in a game when it's just a brief bit of spotlight. And it take, can take, a, I don't know how long it just took me to, to describe that, but it could take, you know, the two, three minutes to do that and say, good, you're done. Sean, what are you doing on the streets? What are you doing over here? You can smash cut over to the other person. So you don't even have to put the NPCs in peril. You can use them as kind of this rock, this little grounding point for these people to come back to you. 
Um, I'll pick on the streets of Avalon again, then I'll shut up for a second. But, you know, Chris, uh, Chris's character, Vassar Vim, is connected to his mom. His mom was kind of sort of in peril in certain parts, but that's a stability piece. His mom was a very stable component and a thing that mattered to him. And I didn't have to really overtly threaten her or anything like that, you know, but just the the suggestion, the fear of it was enough to bring kind of some of the family tension into play. And I think that was, I think it made for some really good storytelling. It was a lot of fun. So Sean, have you had game masters in the past do anything like that? Or do you try to do anything like that yourself? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, man. I'm, as far as putting uh, just characters into predicaments well, via their family? Yeah, even if it's not like immediately relevant to the story itself, right? Just, hey, I should, yeah, oh, shit, I haven't seen mom and I've been in, I've been in town for like three days. I should probably go see mom and start just stop whoring at the local tavern, make your way over there and have mom just screaming at him and yelling at him and something. Have you ever done that? And no. Oh, you got to no, do it, dude. I, um, I'm trying to think if I did. I, I usually I usually find an annoying an, an annoying NPC, but it's usually not family. Uh, See, the cool thing about family being annoying, like you can pick that grandmother who's blind, who's yeah. blind or mostly deaf. You, I, if you go with mostly deaf, what, what, what do you mean you were there? And she's screaming at you in the town square. She comes into the bar and she's yelling at your at your dwarven fighter. Because he hasn't been home to see his sick mother. I didn't know mom was sick. Of course you don't know she was sick. You haven't been fucking home. But there's something really cool about having family being the annoying NPC. Because players have a really hard time punching grandma in the face with their axe. Right? The regular NPC, somebody might get enough, get sick of the local town crier and punch him one with the axe in the face. Nobody punches grandma in the face with an axe. Very fair. Very fair. <laughs> Fair. That's fair. That's fair. the season. It is the season. Yeah. You know, and now would be the right time to roll out family in your adventure. Because Holidays. you could just take <laughs> just take your frustration out uh in an RPG. <laughs> exactly. Nobody gets hurt. I mean, physically. What's that? Literally. We talked about holidays in the past as well. And that was one of the that's actually been a reason when I've had tried to implement holidays in Avalon and other settings in the past is like, Hey, this is a time when families usually gather. I look at the characters who've told me specifically that they have backgrounds that their families live in the city. You're going to go see your mom. Oh shit. You know, I haven't seen mom in a year and a half and I've just, and I haven't really left the city. I've just been busy. Ah, fuck. All right. Yeah. I'm going to go see mom or wow. I haven't, my mom is dead. Well, what do you do? I go to the grave, I put flowers, do something like that. Or, hey, I should go see my grandfather or my brothers and sisters, see how they're doing. It doesn't even always have to be like a confrontational thing. Sometimes it's just great opportunity for the kind of this quasi weird downtime. If you have, if you play a game like, um, let's see here, Gumshoe in uh, Trailer Cthulhu, there's mechanics in there. <coughs> Excuse me. And even uh, Nice Black Agents has these as well. We have pillars, basically. You have things that you can glom onto that help you regain sanity and stability and so on. And a lot of times, one of the things you put down is family, a loved one, a friend, a mentor, somebody you care a lot about. In my Bad Magic campaign, Zave's character had a guy who was his mentor. They basically two weird hippie chemists that got along really well, and they just helped each other out. I never threatened Zave's mentor Things bad things happened to him, but it wasn't like life threatening or whatever. It was like, hey, something got beat up or something wrecked my lab or whatever. 
it was a place when Zave went to talk to this guy that he could slow down and recharge. I could say, hey, you can gain back stability. So from a mechanical perspective, the other thing that family can do for people is in those games that allow you to kind of refresh and reflect, whether it be at stability, sanity, um, any of those types of things um, that you, that your game may or may, not, may or may not have. You know, hey, if you spend time with somebody who has been in here in this type of situation before, a la like Knights Black Agents, that could be a way for you to you know, maintain your sanity in a horrible, I'm fighting bloodsuckers type of way. So that's another good reason to kind of have these little vignettes, I guess, of family that aren't always, you know, grandpa's strung up by his, by his hamstrings and the goblins are going to eat him. You don't always have to go that far. Well, that is fun from time to time. Yeah, it would be fun. So Sean, I did all the talk in there as usual. So I'm sorry. When when you have had it in the past and a game master has either you've used it or a game master has done it to you, do you do you like dealing with the family aspects of it or does it just drive you bonky? It it depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I can't get if I can't get it, I ask enough questions, listeners, ladies and gentlemen, until I get it depends. <laughs> well, it does, in this instance, it does depend on what the angle is. So I guess if the GM is going to really uh i don't know taking an annoying like kind of i don't know you get a sliver in your finger and they're just gonna kind of rub that the wrong way every few minutes like having the annoying sibling or something like that maybe not so much um or granny the earlier granny example i don't think it's bad i think there's a time and a place and also, um, I think you can work it into a campaign to make it interesting, similar to like what Dragonlance may would have would have done would actually has done. So if you're not familiar with you, Dragonlance, you know, I'm gonna stop you. Right you know what really weirds me out right now is the weird. This is a weird uh, Gestalty thing. Uh, Gestalt's probably not the right word, but I have just seriously, I was up in Michigan hunting with my my son and my dad this last um over thanksgiving this last weekend and i specifically said to myself you know what i haven't read in a while those dragonlance books i love oh, they do not they age. don't age well but man but man well high school brat read the shit out of, i mean i fucking read those oh, things I, like crazy I, that was like an awesome thing i should try that again and here you go brain of dragonlance so i'm sorry that just threw me anyway carry on yeah no the, i read the crap out of them too and uh i you know i think they're good I mean, fond memories of the books. Tried to reread them again. Not, not so much. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of, there's family ties in there. So if you haven't read the Dragonlance, we're t- I'm talking about the original trilogy, which is the, what, can you read it? Can you name them, Brett? Um, you have the Dragons of Autumn, Autumn Twilight, Winter, yep. Winter Night, and Spring Dawning is the original trilogy. Is it winter yeah, night? Winter's night. Hang, hang on, I'll be right back. No, no, that's fine. Uh, so, anyways, um, in the adventuring campaign, there's only two people that are are related, and that's the brothers and their twins, Cameron and and Raceland. Somebody may pronounce it differently, but they're, yes, it's winter's they're, night. They're it's just did a bookshelf check. Sorry, <laughs> I had no, to do it. So there you go. 
uh, our, our fact checking department comes through. Uh, so that they're, but the, the premise was they all get together after adventuring on their own for five years. They all reunite, but one is missing, which is the sister to the twin brothers, Kitiara. But she comes up later. Spoilers. She comes up later in the books. Oh, you can't tell people that. Yeah. That's almost as bad as wait. No, it's not as bad as what I just did. All right, carry on. But I don't think uh, in the whole series there's any other related people. I don't think there's any parents. So from family and connecting, Caramon uh, and Raceland have Caramon's um, eventual wife. Um, shit, I can't remember her name. What's her name? Oh, Brad? crap, I can't remember her name. I have to come up with that. Um, Cameron Majeer's wife. Oh, fuck. All right, time to look it up. Anyway, but he knew her. She served, she served potatoes yes. at Otix. Spiced potatoes, by the way. I actually yes. have um the Leaves from the Inn of the Last Home, which has, I shit you not, recipes in the back for different Dragonlance oh, themed dishes. And uh, Gully Dwarf stew is actually pretty freaking good. <laughs> I was a drag line. You gotta have a sweaty sock in that thing, or no? Uh, it's funny as hell, but and the description, the uh, it's funny. But anyway, it tastes pretty good at the end of it. All right, <laughs> fact checker at work. He's looking it up on the internet. I gotta check this out. Anyway, I think, but any- I think your point is valid though. That if you take anything, and here I go. Uh, dragging this fucker on longer than it should. But if you beat the shit out of any trope, right? It's like dead babies in Brett's campaign. At a certain point, it's old. At a certain point, if every fucking time you've got a mom, a dad, a brother, sister, a wife, kids, cousin, best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, and your game master comes up and murders them in front of you or threatens them constantly, it gets old. It's one of the reasons why after a certain point, Spider-Man, you just can't keep threatening Aunt May because it just gets old. So I think it's just um, her name is uh, Tika Whalen, by the way, when that was her maiden name, Tika. Anyway, <laughs> so your point is valid, Sean, that if you beat the hell out of it, it becomes an overused trope. And an overused trope is, you know, tantamount to just beating somebody over the head with a baseball bat. Just gets old. So I think if I were to incorporate it, it would have to be similar to, to something like a cousin sibling that's gone off on their own and then you eventually run into them and then the plot thickens so use it use that's it judiciously I, right yeah well and, and then what happens well what happens when you have an entire party have family and then you're having to juggle that around for three or four sessions have you ever had it when the one player when the one pc Falls in love with like the sister or brother of another PC. You ever had that? Oh, oh god, no! But that's fun, dude. That's so <laughs> much fun when that happens because you got this weird "fuck you, I hate you" brother-in-law thing going. It's 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 goddamn hilarious, man. Yeah, I don't know about some awkward stuff like that. I know I've heard the 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 horror stories of a guy at the table, a woman at the table. They are playing. They're both single. They're. I'm not even talking about players. Are, I'm talking about the PCs. Oh, you, or are you talking about people crossing crossing the streams I'm, between real life? Yeah, and, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like. Well, I'll oh, tell you the God. other thing that, and I think we can probably end on this, is that family and loved ones and so forth can be a definitely excardable thing, 
And this is a piece when, from a safety perspective, from for for gamers, certain people don't really want to deal with their hardcore parental issues, you know, significant other issues, whatever it is. A lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot, that's unfair. Some people um, have triggers. And depending what that is, it's worth noting that sometimes if you take somebody's younger sister and you throw them into peril and the goblins are going to cook her and eat her, that may be a bit too much. Not only just from a child perspective, but it might be one of those things where, hey, you didn't know what this player's younger sister um, is recovering from X, Y, or Z. It's really not good. It's not cool for them at this point. So one of the reasons I, I like doing the not only having the, the family just be points of peril, but having it be a point of familial peril where mom's mad at you because you haven't seen her in a while, or dad's mad because you promised you'd shoe the horses and you haven't done it for two weeks, or you're, you promised your brother you'd help him with his homework and you haven't done it. Small things like that, again, from like a Knights Black Agents, Trailer Cthulhu perspective, uh, using them as a recharge battery, if you will, allows you to have some family drama, but not having to put everybody in peril, which sometimes, depending on who the player is, may be a little over the top. So, Cool. All right, man, I think we've beat that one a bit. So unless you've got anything else, I think we should uh, let our listeners chime in because no doubt they'll tell us where we went wrong and how to do it better. All right, let's get to die roll. All right, die roll. I've got a few this week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm out this week. I have I got nothing. I'm useless this week, as usual. So I I stole one that Brett posted in our community on Google. Did you Plus. take the? Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, oh, the flash card. I've like flash card. Some of a bitch. Anyway, yes. He'll save every one of us. I love Queen. Flash Gordon RPG for Savage Worlds Kickstarter is off and running. It's fully funded. And as of this recording, it will end Monday, December 4th, 2017. So if you're listening to this after the fact, you'll probably want to go out and buy it. It's already been kickstarted and you have missed out on any stretch goals that may have occurred. Uh, Otherwise, check it out. Uh, Does that interest you, Brett? Flash Gordon? (sighs) No, it does not. I mean, I... I love Queen, and I love the uh, the 80s movie, as bad as it is. I love it. Ming the Merciless, all that stuff. But uh, I'm not a big Savage Worlds guy. I know Ron Blessing and Christian Serrano, if they ever see me in person, they'll probably stab me. Um, but um, Flash Gordon just doesn't really do it for me. Just doesn't. Don't know why. Well, yeah, and I wasn't a big Flash Gordon comic guy, pulp, pulp guy. You know, honestly, I bet you if I went back to the original pulps, the comics and stuff, that would probably be of more interest to me even than the movie. And that would probably, that might, if that, that could trip me over and say, hey, fucking look at that. That could be really cool. Now, I heard a rumor that the guy who played Flash Gordon in that movie is going to write the foreword. <laughs> that would be cool. That's that would be very, very cool. I mean, he he was in Ted. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, he, he played himself in Ted. Yeah. <laughs> there is a, is he do a biopic or something too? Uh, anyway, carry on. I don't know. Uh, second one, Lee Williams, uh, AKA Morthry on Twitter. We'll have a link to his Twitter account in the show notes as well. Puts out the dark times, a dark horror conspiracy weirdness freebie fanzine which i think is really kind of geared towards 
dark conspiracy. Hmm. Uh, cause he, I don't, I don't know if he listened to the show or if he just got roped in or just like, or merely coincidence that we talked about dark conspiracy and getting coming back and being reprinted. Um, but he's been into dark conspiracy since 1991. Wow. So yeah, he, he knows a little bit about that RPG, but, uh, I'll link to his Twitter account as well as the dark times, um, website. Hell, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the announcement of the, um, dark conspiracy coming back might've been from his website. If I, I didn't even put two and two together, but that may have been the case. But anyways, we'll put that in the show notes. And then the last one for me for this week, uh, Medieval Fantasy City Generator. Uh, I had seen a couple people tweet this, and then, like, I don't know if it was Rob Schwab or somebody um, from Schwab Entertainment. He did Shadows of the Demon Lord. I think he was, like, he's, like, addicted to this thing. He couldn't get off of it. <laughs> that, <laughs> so, I'm just, I'm looking at it right see, now for the first time. This thing is fucking awesome. Oh, my yeah, God, this is cool. awesome. So there'll be a link. Uh, so if you just want a fantasy city generator, man, just it's, it's a top, it's a uh, top to down map. Show walled city, buildings outside, rivers. Oh my god! I mean, literally, I think you could print it off and just write in the names and you, of like wow. the wards. You drag your mouse over. It says, "Hey, here's streets. a shanty town. Here's where the craftsmen are. Oh, down here is the docks. This is a castle, farm outside. Wow, wow, that's cool." Yeah. Wow. Super happy. Yeah. All right, Brett, you want to do the list? Yes, I do. Sorry, what? I was enamored by the map making there. Uh, Chris Shorb hit us with the first interstellar asteroid wows scientists. I do remember seeing this one. It it has this horrible look yeah. of if you play if you're a Warhammer 40k fan, you look at this, you're like, that's a fucking space hulk, is what that is. God damn Tyranids. You see that? Um, yeah, it looks uh it looks nasty. Well, Chris's comment on Google Plus was like, sure, that's the real, like, that's well, how weird a size yeah, sure, it's, is It's that? an asteroid. Shit. Yeah, sure, it's Shit. an asteroid. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. It's, it's not an interstellar right? craft coming to kill us. It's fine. It's a craft. Maybe maybe it's dormant. Yeah, which is the problem with space hulks. Right. As, exactly. As it would be. So William Arnold then comes in, does a review of his trips to PAX Unplugged. So Gaming and BS got a link there to his little uh, run through of what he did out at PAX Unplugged. Yeah. So he went there and he kind of summed up his experience at PAX Unplugged. Kind of cool. And Kevin yeah. Lovecraft pointed out the real life swords monument in Norway. I have seen this before, but this is pretty freaking cool. They are three gigantic Viking blades. Um, they're statues <laughs> thrust into the ground uh, commemorate a battle that took place in the year uh, 1872. Really freaking cool. And the pictures on this uh, website are just awesome. Some of the uh, photographers did an amazing job with this. Uh, with this, so pretty neat stuff. Cool. Yeah. Are we good? Cool. We are good. What are we talking about next, next week? We're start at- talking about getting that campaign going. It's, it, it's Sean's intervention. Oh, we're getting, I'm, I'm pulling this one up. I had it down. No, it's next week. We're going to kick Sean in the balls, make him do some shit. Oh, next week. God. Fine. Damn right it is. Project manager ass right into success. Oh, oh 
please. By then, I might have everything well, figured out. Well, in that case, out. you can tell us that, I, that's your goal. If you come in and everything's figured out, they put it upon Brett to find a new topic at the last minute. That's, that's your Ooh. challenge, Sean. Get your shit together, or we're talking about it online with everybody. Oh. I might have some homework to do. All right. Well. This ga- this episode of Gaming NBS is brought to you uh, with the help from the following patrons. Uh, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Pladian, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Brandon Barnes, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brassett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Mirko Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, Wiss Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric Hoff, the Hoffman, <laughs> Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Evan Harrison Cass, Ray Otis, Mark CMG Clover, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Stefan Dragonspawn, Craig Huber, Xavier G, J.V., John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Jonathan Talby, Blake Ryan, Chad Glamon. Oh, my God, Chad, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, and Sky. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider heading over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, patron friends. Thanks, listeners. Uh, Just one other thing I want to mention. If you are uh, not interested in backing the show via patron, which we totally understand, one other way is if you go to GamingNBS.com forward slash is it support i think or it's a support link on the top of the website Tis the holiday season and what you can do is if you're going to go to amazon anyways and buy stuff you know click on our amazon link in that page and that will tie our affiliate id to that link so anything you buy you will get of course and then we get a little bit of sliver of that so if you're just going to go to amazon and buy anyway That'll help us out. Same with drive through RPG. Uh, just a, a couple different ways since the holiday season is upon us. Um, feel free to do that. That'd be great. I think we get like a very small percentage, but just an idea. That way that way you don't have to give us outright money, um, but in since you're shopping anyways. So, yeah. Anyways, I think that's it for this week, Brett. Yes, it is. I, I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.